Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. Hello, West Shore. It is so good to be here. Um, Thank you, Pastor Adam. You're awesome. I'm not polished. I actually had a molar pulled this week and also another tooth pulled two weeks weeks ago. So I have two teeth less than a full full set of teeth, but that's okay. God is good. And I'm so excited to be here in the West Shore. I love coming out here. I get to come here every few months and it's just so incredible what God is doing here. And you guys are blessed with such amazing pastors. Hey, Pastor Adam and Shandy, they are the real deal. They really are. They really, really love Jesus, and they really, really love people, and they really love you guys, and they're so authentic, and they're so amazing, and they're, they just have hearts of gold, um, and they're just like, like Anna Green Gables would say, like kindred spirits. They are just amazing, um, so I love you guys. We love you guys. Um, so you guys are blessed to have. You guys have just amazing pastors, and you know what? I truly believe that this is just the beginning for the West Shore. Come on, amen. Two services on Easter Sunday. Bring somebody. It's going to be amazing. I am believing um, that those services are going to be packed. You know, every time I drive out here, I don't live too far away. I live about 13-minute drive away. I commuted all the way from Saanich. (laughs) I'm just kidding. And um, so it's like equal distance to downtown, equal distance out here. And I just love, and I'm just always so amazed whenever I'm driving by, I'm like, that's a brand new neighborhood right there. Like, I, I grew up in Victoria, so I was like, that used to be a swamp, and now that's a whole town. Like, it's just incredible. Um, You know, there's new developments, new apartment buildings, new neighborhoods, so many people who God loves, hey? So many people who God loves, who Jesus died for, who may not know about the transforming power that he has, hey? It's just so incredible. And you know what? It's not by chance that you are here today. It's not an accident that you are placed in your neighborhood, um, in your workplace, on your soccer team, you on, on the parents committee at your kid's school. It's not an accident. God has put you into these positions um, for his purpose. He has saved you and called you to exactly where he has positioned you. So I serve as the Next Steps pastor at our Victoria location. I love it so much. I get to oversee small groups, freedom, baptisms, grow track. Basically, I just get to help people take their next steps on their spiritual journey. And it's just such an honor um, to be a part of what God's doing at Coastline Church. I love this house so much. Um, I'm married to James. He's right there on the front row. We have been married for... 11 years this year, so it just, time flies. I have three beautiful children. You're going to see them on the screen behind me. Um, There's Luca. He's six. London is five. And Leo, he's our wild, wild boy. He is three. If the house is quiet, I know that something is, um, I'm going to walk into something really scary. Um, like he, the other, you know, a month ago, he just, I was like, where's Leo? He just comes into the kitchen, throws something in the air. I'm like, what is that? Chili powder. He took chili powder and turned it into confetti and, or chili flakes, sorry, and put them all over the house. 
So if you're a third child or if you have a third child, you know I am a fellow third child. So my mom just laughs when I tell her these things. She's just like, oh, yeah, bless you. You were like that too. Um, so anyways, it's such a blessing to just to raise our kids in the house of the Lord. It really is such a privilege. Shout out to the parents and maybe grandparents who brought kids to church today. You guys are the MVPs. I know how hard it is to wrangle children, get them out of bed, get them dressed, get them to class. Um, you know, if you have little, little babies, it is so hard. So bless you guys for doing that. And you know what? There is so much blessing and benefit. There really is. Like, it is so hard to bring them here sometimes. Some mornings are so hard, but there's such a reward. It is so such a reward. You know, when kids hear God's word, that truth goes deep into their hearts. And it will be a foundation that they can build on throughout the rest of their lives. So keep bringing your kids to church. Keep loving Jesus. Keep praying in your homes. Like, it's just, it's it's really building the foundation of their faith, and it's just so incredible. Um, you know, I so a little background about me. I grew up, um, I went to Catholic church for the first six years of my life. I grew up in a pretty rocky, unstable household. Um, there was alcoholism. There was abuse. Um, and so my parents got divorced uh, when I was about six, and we stopped going to church altogether. And, um, yeah, I, I didn't really go to church. Sometimes I would be invited by a friend and would go to a youth group. Uh, my, we had some neighbors um, where we were growing up, me and my brother, and we, we got to go to a Christian camp, and it was really cool. God definitely spoke to me there, and I definitely felt his presence. Um, but then I just went back home and lived my own life and did that for a number of years and just had some hard years through high school. And then it, I was 18 years old. I was living on the other side of the world in London, England, and someone invited me to a church. And that's when Jesus really, truly started transforming my life. I remember walking into a church and just everyone was so kind. The message was awesome. Worship was so incredible. And I remember feeling the Holy Spirit and being like, what is going on? Like, do I have superpowers? What is happening? And I just remember when the pastor was speaking, my heart was racing so quickly. And you know what? If your heart is racing in church, God is going to speak to you. God is speaking to you. Um, hopefully it's that and not that you need to see a cardiologist. But... Um, the Lord speaks to us. And I just remember my heart was racing and I was just like, this is just so incredible. This is where I want to be. And I just knew that I had to give it all to Jesus. I surrendered everything to him. My whole life went, did a complete 180. Everything was transformed. It was amazing. And that was almost 20 years ago, which is wild. And, um, and I, yeah, you can praise God. He is just so incredible. And I know without a doubt that Jesus is still in the business of changing lives. So many of you know that, right? Your life has been completely transformed. He is in the business of changing lives, and he is not done yet. He is not done yet. And if there's people in your family who are far from God, I've seen God move in people who are so far from him. Like, I get to hear, I, I get to do the baptisms and hear stories and I'm always so amazed of how good God is. He is waking up people in the night and speaking to them in dreams. He's, um, you know, someone's bringing someone to church and they're giving their life to the Lord. It's just so incredible. So don't, don't lose hope. If you have people in your life who are far from him, keep praying, keep interceding. He is at work. 
So um, we're starting a new series. You saw the intro video, Road to Resurrection. So we will be following the footsteps of Jesus as he is headed to the cross, understanding that he is well aware of the plan and mission that God has set upon him. And it's time for him to fulfill this mission. So the things that Jesus does in the last two weeks of his life showcase the humanity of Jesus of Christ. He fulfills prophecy. He does miracles. He is very intentional with his disciples. That's what we're going to talk about today. And while the resurrection from the cross shows us the divinity of Jesus, the road to resurrection shows us the humanity of Jesus. And today we're going to be looking at John 13. You know, commentators, they call John chapters 13 to 20 the farewell discourse. Jesus knew that his time to go to the cross was mere hours away. So he shared what was of great importance to his disciples. You know, if you were on your deathbed, if you knew you were going to go to heaven very, very soon, you wouldn't just have meaningless conversations, right? Everything would be intentional. You would be sharing what is so near and dear to your heart, to your loved ones. So these words, pay attention. These words that Jesus spoke, they have weight and they are of utmost importance. So let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you're here. God, we thank you that you are speaking. We thank you that your word goes out and it does exactly what is accomplished to do, Lord. It bears fruit. It doesn't return to you void. So Holy Spirit, would you have your way today? Would you speak to your children? Would you encourage hearts today? We love you so much, Jesus. May you be lifted up. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And so I've been on staff at Coastline Church for 16 years now. I thought it was 15. I'm not very good at math, so I had to do the math again. It's been over 16 years, which is so wild. Um, I was originally hired as Pastor Andy's assistant when he was youth and young adults pastor. Um, And he looks the same. He has not aged crazy. Um, So I was so excited to be working in ministry. You know, when I was in in London, England, I just knew that God was calling me to ministry. I didn't know how it was going to look, but I just knew it was going to happen. And um, I remember when I applied, got the job, and I was so excited. I'm like, oh, ministry is so glamorous. It's so cool. It's going to be so fun. You know, I'm going to plan these events and take youth out for coffee and pray with people and, and see people meet Jesus. This is going to be so amazing. And so I was so excited for my first week of work. And you know where I spent my first week working at Coastline Church? In the photocopy room. My goodness. So Pastor Andy was away. Um, and so he, what he did, he left me with a week's worth of photocopying. That was my very first task on staff. Yes, there was a uh, discipleship guide from the 70s. It was about 300 pages, and he just left me with the instructions to um, make 15 copies of this for a discipleship group. So I was like, okay. I didn't know how to use a photocopier. I had to learn how to use a photocopier. I had to double-side it, staple it, do all those things. So I spent four days in the office, in the photocopy room, getting very familiar with the photocopier. I got paper cut after paper cut. 
it, you know, I learned pretty quickly that ministry is not always glamorous. It's not always glamorous. It was actually a little humbling. It was a good experience. You know, I think he did that on purpose to humble me, uh, to crush any pride. Um, and it was, a, it was a very good thing. It was a very good thing. Because you know what? We live in a world that doesn't preach humility. Hey? Our world does not preach humility. Everywhere you go, you hear messages about how to better yourself, how to be successful, how to get more money, how to look a certain way, how to be your healthiest self, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, some of these things, they're not necessarily bad. Like, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying these things aren't bad. But I feel, feel that our culture walks a fine line um, and in doing so, we can become so obsessed with glorifying ourselves, right? It's all about making yourself better, rising, you rising up. It's all about glorifying ourselves. And the root of that is pride. And that's not the example that Jesus set. Amen? He did not set that example. He sets a different example than the culture set. So let's get into his word. John 13. Before the Passover, verse 13, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So Jesus was gathered for the Last Supper. Like, this is the Last Supper. This is the painting. When you look at the painting, this is where you're at. The Last Supper, he's like resting his head. Um, you know, this is the Last Supper. And I just love that the Bible makes it clear. He, he just says, like, how much Jesus loved his friends. Like, he was so relatable. He loved his friends. He loved the disciples. You know, they messed up so much. They said lots of dumb things. Um, they, they wanted to rise up. Um, and he really, truly loved them. I just love that it opened with that. So Jesus, he knew the time to go to the cross was near. And in these chapters from 13 to 18, you know, it's the farewell discourse. Um, you find so many rich teachings from our Lord. So I just encourage you, like leading up to Easter, read these chapters, chapters 13 to 20 of John. Um, you just see Jesus speak such incredible wisdom. There's so much, so much richness in these texts. So I just encourage you to read that in the next couple of weeks. But Jesus does something first before he begins teaching. So verse, uh, oh, sorry, verse four. So he got up from the table and he took off his robe and he wrapped a towel around his waist and he poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Isn't it so wild that our Savior, knowing that within hours his body would be nailed to the cross, he took the time to wash his disciples' feet. You know, it would have taken a long time, like getting the water, getting whatever soap they had. Maybe they had like pumice stone or whatever to like scrub off all the calluses and stuff. You know, pretty much it would be the last task that I would want to do before I died. You know, wash dirty, like toe jam, like hairy feet. Like, no thank you, no thank you. 
And back in Bible times, people walked everywhere. They walked everywhere, and they weren't wearing blundstones and socks, you know. They were wearing sandals, and it was dusty. So, like, their feet were so filthy. I think of my kids' feet when we go camping, and we're, like, at Raft Trevor, and they're just, like, running around all day with no feet, with no socks and no shoes, and it's just... By the end of the day, before they get in the tent, we're like, you have to wash your feet. Like, let's wash your feet. Do not get that dirt in the tent. It is so gross. Um, Yeah, these feet were probably even worse. They were grown men, like really, really gross. They were filthy. Um, So it was common practice when you would go to somebody's house to to wash your feet, to have your feet washed. But it was never common for the host or someone higher than you to wash your feet. That was that was unheard of. You, it, it was usually done by a non-Jewish slave or someone below you. Washing feet is not a glamorous task. It's a humbling one. And this was a huge, significant, remarkable act that Jesus, the Savior of the world, who was in heaven, who stepped down to earth, that he bent down and he washed the feet of his disciples. Like, this was so important. You know, it, signif- it um, symbolized the washing necessary for the forgiveness of sins in anticipation of Jesus' death for his people by which all sins are washed away. Amen? It was a huge, huge moment, a huge moment for these disciples. So he's starting to wash all their feet. And then in verse 6, when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. So Peter could not, he could not comprehend why Jesus was washing his feet. He knew that Jesus was the Messiah, right? He already knew that Jesus was the Messiah. And he felt that, Jesus, you can't degrade yourself and wash my feet. Like, you can't do that. You are our king. You are the Messiah. But Jesus was teaching the opposite of what the culture was saying. You know, the Jewish people, they were hoping for a Messiah who would come in triumphantly, come in with an army, and just take down the Roman oppressors. Like, they, the Romans were, had oppressed the Jewish culture at that time. And that's what they were hoping for. They're like, the Messiah is coming. He's going to overthrow the Romans. But Jesus came in humbly, and he gave up his life obedient to the Father to the very end. And he was going to secure the victory. Like, don't get that wrong. He was going to secure the victory. But Jesus secured victory through suffering, not conquest. Through suffering, not conquest. Jesus was showing Peter how important it is to be a servant. Verse 9, Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. You know, when I think about this passage, I never thought that Judas was having his feet washed, you know? But the Bible makes it so clear that Judas was there. That Jesus bent down and washed the feet of his betrayer. The man who sold him for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus bent down and washed his feet. How incredible is our God? 
So incredible. So verse 12. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So on this road to resurrection, Jesus sets an example for us. Aren't you so thankful that we have a Savior who talked the talk and walked the walk? No, I'm so thankful. He says, I have given you an example to follow. John 13, 15 in the message. I love how the message says, you must now wash each other's feet. I've laid down a pattern for you. What I've done, you do. Act like it and live a blessed life. There is such a blessing when we walk in servanthood. You know, servanthood, what does it look like in your life? Servanthood is not a word that we see, that we hear very often. You don't see on Instagram, five ways to be a servant. Like you just, you don't, you don't see that. But Jesus calls us to be a servant. He calls us to walk in servanthood. So I have three things. So the first one, what we can do to walk in servanthood is walk in humility. Jesus modeled humility. You know, the world says, go higher, shoot for the moon, you'll get, shoot for the stars, maybe you'll land on the moon, like, go higher, you got this. But Jesus says, go lower, serve, like, wait. Philippians 2, 3 to 8, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus humbly stepped down from heaven to die for us. And he is calling us to walk in humility. So how can we practice humility in our own lives? Maybe it's fighting that need to be right, which is hard for me. I love to be right. I'm a type three Enneagram, type A personality, and I love to be right. Maybe it's putting your spouse first. Maybe it's being quick to listen and slow to speak, which can be hard. Maybe it's being teachable. Teachable, that is something that is so good to stay teachable. You know, um, the thought that everyone has something to teach us. We can learn something from everyone. Like, go into conversations just saying, I'm going to stay teachable today. You know, no matter what someone's wealth, status, appearance, age, title, race, gender, we can learn from each other. It's so good to stay teachable. God is calling us to walk in humility. Number two, walk in forgiveness. We have a Savior. I'm so thankful we have a Savior who understands what we're going through. He understands the brokenness and pain in relationships. Hebrews 2, 17 to 18. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then when he came before God as high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself, all the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. He was betrayed 
He was falsely accused. He was rejected. He was abused. He was humiliated. And at the cross, what did he do? He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I don't know about you, but for me, I'd be like, strike them down. Take them down right now. Show your power, God. Right? But Jesus said, forgive them like they're nailing me to a cross. Forgive them. And that is why Jesus is the Savior of the world. He, like I said before, he washed his betrayer's feet. He understands what you're going through when you have relationship turmoil. He really does. And he models handling betrayal. And he calls us to walk in forgiveness. You know, there is so much I could share on forgiveness. Like, we would be here all day talking about forgiveness. But walking in forgiveness paves the way to walking in freedom, walking in victory, walking in the life that Christ has for us. Romans 12, 18, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And that's about walking in forgiveness. We were not meant to live in offense. Um, and you know what? Forgiveness, what it, it, it isn't about minimizing an offense or forgetting what happened. Forgiveness is a choice. And it's not a feeling. And forgiveness truly does set us free. Like some of you were at Freedom Conference. Who, who did Freedom Course and Freedom Conference has done it? Guys, it's incredible what God is doing. Like we see people who had been holding on to things for years and years and years and finally let it, letting it go. And they literally float out the doors. Like it's just the lightness of walking in forgiveness and walking in freedom, walking in victory is so beautiful. Uh, I think Pastor Adam shared this quote at Freedom Conference and it says, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. That's by Lewis B. Sneeds. We have been forgiven of so much. Our past, our present, our future sin. The enemy, he wants to trap us in bitterness, in offense, and unforgiveness. But Jesus demonstrated forgiveness. And there is so much freedom when we walk in forgiveness. And Jesus said, this is how you ought to live. So point number three in conclusion is walk in love. Walk in love. John 13, 34 to 35. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Love was the lesson of the meal. Love is the principle that guides all Christian ethical behavior. Love shows the world that you belong to Jesus. That is what marks us as a Christian. Not being perfect, not being successful, not looking a certain way or having a nice house or having the right words to say or have, making that perfect Facebook post that so many people are going to comment or on Instagram. No, it's our love for one another. That's what marks us as a believer of Jesus. You know, all these things Jesus demonstrated. I love that our God, he didn't stand up in heaven with a megaphone and he says, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. And just, and he's so far away. No, Jesus walked the walk. He showed us how to live this out. We learn from an experienced teacher. When you learn something like, you know, if I'm going to ever jump out of an airplane, 
probably never going to happen. But if I'm going to jump out, I don't want to like be taught by someone who's just watched movies about it. Or I don't want to be taught by someone who's read books about it. I want to be taught by someone who's like, this is what happens when you jump out of the airplane. You know, like if you're giving birth mamas, you talk to someone who's given birth before, right? You want to know from an experienced teacher. And I just love that God knows what love is all about, right? When I held my baby boy, he's six, he's going to be seven, I can't believe it. When I held him for the first time, I was just staring at him, just so in love with him. And someone who had come over and her kids were grown up and she said, you know what? I remember looking at my, at my baby and just thinking, how could God have given him up for the world, right? He gave his one and only son for us. That's how God showed his love for the world, for you, for me. He sent Jesus to die for us, Romans 5, 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He has never stopped loving you. In our pride, in our sin, in our shame, he still sent Christ to die for you. And this servanthood, it springs up, it wells up from love. Let that love be your motivation for your daily life. Walk in that love. Sanctification, it leads us to servanthood. And Pastor Adam spoke a powerful message about sanctification. Remember that, about the chains, right? He had that chain around his neck. I was worried he was going to choke himself. And, um, and he took the chains off. And that's what sanctification is. Jesus is breaking the chains. He, he, chains. he is our chain breaker. But he doesn't break all those chains for us to just sit around, right, and look pretty. No, he sanctifies us so that we can live the life that he has set before us. Sanctification leads to servanthood. So what does servanthood look in your life? How can you walk out servanthood in your neighborhood? So walk in humility, walk in forgiveness, walk in love. How's it going to look in your home life? How's it going to look in the way that you talk to your kids or talk to your spouse or maybe your parents? How can you serve your extended family member, that one who just really drives you nuts? How can you serve them and love them? And maybe it's like, maybe it's not proving your point on Facebook. You know, I love to be right. I love to share my opinion. But that's a way that we can practice humility, right? Shut your mouth. Sometimes that's a holy thing to do is shut your mouth. Maybe it's extending grace and forgiveness to someone today, right? Maybe it's forgiving that person and setting the prisoner, setting yourself free as you forgive that offense. Maybe it's forgiving yourself when you keep replaying the past of past mistakes, past conversations, when you've, you've said the wrong thing, you've offended someone. Maybe it's forgiving yourself Stop replaying the past and receiving God's great forgiveness and choosing to walk in his forgiveness. And maybe today, maybe it's your very first time and today is the day that your heart is beating, your heart is racing and Jesus said, give me your life. You can trust me. Surrender it all to me. What are you waiting for? I'm here for you. I have an incredible plan for your life. I'm here to walk with you. You know, the Holy Spirit, I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking today. 
And Weshur, I just want to encourage you. Your love for one another is already showing. There are testimonies of people who have walked by this church, walking their dog just on a normal Sunday morning, just being like going for a walk. And they're like, why are those people outside? Why are they so kind? Why, why do they seem so loving? Like, you know, people, people look down when you pass by them, but they're like, hey, how's it going? Are you coming to church today? And people are coming back to church and they're finding Jesus. So your love for one another it is affecting this community and I truly believe that this is just the beginning of what God is doing in the west shore there are so many people out here who need Jesus and your love for one another they are going to notice it they are going to see it and they are going to find Jesus amen can we believe that you know, don't let the enemy hold you back. We're not called to walk in pride and unforgiveness and hatred and shame and sin. Those are traps. And Jesus has this incredible freedom for us that he went to the cross. He nailed our sin. He nailed our shame on the cross. He died that went into the grave and then he rose in victory. Amen. He has the freedom that we can walk in. So friends, keep walking in humility. Keep walking in forgiveness. Keep walking in love. The world is going to notice. The world is truly going to notice. So what do you need to surrender today to Jesus? What do you need to surrender? He is here. He is listening. Let's pray. Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we love you so much. We are so thankful, Jesus. So thankful that you know the pain in this room. You know the suffering in this room. God, you know the grief. You know what's going on in each and every heart in this room. But Jesus, you see the future too, God. You see the hope. You see the reconciliation. You see the freedom. Jesus, we are so thankful for the cross. We're so thankful that you died for us, Jesus. You were sinless and you died for us. And we thank you for that victory that you have for each and every one of us, Lord. So today, God, we give whatever is holding us back from walking in humility, from walking in forgiveness, from walking in love, from being a servant. Open our eyes to see how we can be a servant, how we can serve those around us. And God, would you have your way? Jesus, would you have your way in the West Shore, Jesus? I, God, I just know there are so many more salvations to come, God. I see this place just so full and alive. God, with broken families coming here and finding you, Jesus, finding peace, God. Someone who's so lonely, who's been living in isolation for years, finding family, finding community here. God, someone who's been walking addiction, that addiction is going to fall off, that chain's going to fall off in Jesus' name name and they're going to be set free God and I believe people here who are interceding and praying for people who are far from you God they are going to see you move in those people's lives Jesus you are in the business of changing lives and you are not done yet you have good things in store for the West Shore so bless your people today Jesus we love you God we are so excited for what you're doing here and we thank you so much Jesus you are so good your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.